This program is made possible by the friends and partners of Unspeakable Joy. I want to preach to you on the fatherhood of God. Out of the book of Exodus chapter number 4 as we celebrate this Father's Day. And again, I want to greet you in the name of Christ our Savior. I want to thank you for being here tonight. Let's stand together as we read this portion of Scripture. Kind of get your legs just a little bit of blood flow. The book of Exodus chapter number 4 tonight. I'm looking in verse number 22 and 23. The book of Exodus 4 verse 22. The Bible says, And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. You can be seated this evening. Heavenly Father, encourage your people as we study, as we look, and as we worship you. We thank you for the good singing, for the musicians. God in heaven, we thank you tonight for your blessings on our lives. For now it is in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen and amen. Well, we are in the second book of the Bible. The book of Exodus, the second book, the number two in the Bible, is the number of witness. It is the number whereby a man would be tried at law. It was the number whereby somebody would be held accountable. It is the number whereby people would know what the truth was. And here in this second book of the uh, second book of the Bible, Exodus, you're going to find that this this man named Moses is going to go down to the land of Egypt and is going to rescue the people of God from the mighty hand of Pharaoh. And he's going to do that for one purpose, and that purpose is this: that all the world may know that the Lord He is God. And when he gets into chapter number 4, we are in the land of Midian. Out in the middle of nowhere, out in the desert, out in a barren place. And God appears to Moses at the burning bush. And what he tells Moses at that burning bush is, I want you to go down into Egypt land and I want you to rescue my people. Moses tells him, God, what am I going to say? Who am I going to tell him has sent me? How in the world am I ever going to convince Pharaoh that God has sent me? And how am I going to convince him to let my people go? And God says this. He says, you're going to do in their sight several different signs. And in their sight, when I get done with all of those signs, you aren't going to have to make him let the people go. He's going to voluntarily let the people go. And here is what Moses tells God. He says, God, how am I going to convince the people that you have sent me? Chapter number 4, he gives to him three signs. He said, once you do these three signs in the sight of the people, they're going to know that I have sent you. Moses asks him this. He said, God, I want to ask you a question. What is so special about the people of Israel? And God makes this statement. He said, you tell Pharaoh that I am coming to deliver my son. I am coming to deliver my 
firstborn. What you have before you here in chapter 4 in the verses that we read, you have the first mention where God claims a people as his son. It is the first time God ever looks at anybody in the Bible and claims them as his children, therefore him as their Father. Now, in that purpose or in that course, if this is the first mention, it is dictated by the law of first mentions. That is, I preach this to you, I've taught this to you, but for those of you that don't remember it quite yet, here is what the law of first mention says. The law of first mention says that the first time a word or a doctrine is used will dictate how it is used throughout the rest of of the Bible. The first time you see a lamb, the lamb is being slain in Genesis chapter 3. Therefore, you're going to find that through the shedding of the blood of the lamb, deliverance comes. The first time you see a tree in the Bible, it's either giving life or it's giving death. You find out that all throughout the Bible that a tree will either give you life or it will give you death. There is one ultimate tree that if you turn to it, it will give you life and if you turn away from it, it will bring you death. It's called the tree of Jesus Christ, the cross of Calvary. Here you find the first mention, the first indication, the first time that we ever see the fatherhood of God. Therefore, you're going to find that what happens here is going to dictate how God operates as a father in the entire Bible. Now, here is what's interesting. There are four different people in your Bible that God claims as sons. The first person he claims as a son is Adam. In Luke chapter 3, verse number 38, it goes through the genealogy and this is what it says. It says that Adam was the son of God. We find out in Job chapter 38, verse number 7, that the angels are mentioned as the sons of God. God. We find that in, in Matthew chapter 3 verse number 17 that the Lord Jesus Christ is known as the Son of God. But yet there's another group of people because at the end of the day I am not Adam and I am not an angel and I am not the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's another group of people that have been given sonship and he has fatherhood over them and it is the born again. John chapter 1 verse number 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And if you've been saved by the grace of Almighty God, you are a son, a child of the Most High God, and he is your father. Now, how does that operate? Too many times we dictate and determine our heavenly relationship off of our earthly father. I wish I could tell you everybody had the kind of daddy like you saw posted about today on Facebook. Isn't it amazing a man can be as sorry as a dog, but on Father's Day on Facebook, he is the creme de la creme of daddies. 
Man, I'm telling you right now, sadly, we live in a generation of people that don't know what it means to have a good daddy. They don't know what it means to have a faithful daddy. They don't know what it means to have a loving daddy. They don't know what it means to have an affectionate daddy. They don't know what it means to have a protecting daddy. They don't know what it means to have an always there daddy. May I remind you tonight, just because your earthly father was one way does not mean your heavenly father is that same way. And I know it is something that goes down deep in the soul of a human. It goes down deep in the soul of a man or a woman. They've got those trust issues. They've got those pains. They've got those troubles. They've got those those heartaches and those anxieties. May I remind you tonight, your father in heaven is not like your father on earth. You say, what does this God do? What is so special about this God? Well, here's what's so special about this God. It's not what he does, but who he does it for. Now remember, this is the first time that's ever mentioned. This is the first time that's ever spoken about. So therefore, what we find about this situation is going to dictate what our Heavenly Father does as a father throughout the whole of the Bible. You say, what's so special about the people here? That's the point. There's nothing special about those people. There's nothing good about those people. There's nothing great about those people. Number one, you know what kind of people they were? They were an abandoned people. When you get down to Exodus chapter number four, it has been 430 years since anybody has wanted Israel. It's been 430 years since anybody has claimed Israel. It's been 430 years since anybody cared about Israel. It's been 430 years since anybody has taken care of Israel. But all of a sudden, out of the darkness and out of the blackness and out of the abandon and out of the shipwreck, one stands up in the glory world and this is what he says. He says, those are my people and I am their father. Here's what I'm telling you. Most of the time when people go down to the adoption agency, they don't look for the weakest. They don't look for the lowliest. They don't look for the most beat down. They look for one that looks halfway decent. They want one that's halfway attractive. They want one that's halfway good looking. They want one that looks halfway healthy. Not our heavenly father. Not the good God of eternity. Not Jehovah Jireh. Not Yahweh eternal. Not the Lord Jesus Christ. When he came looking for me and when he came looking for you, he found the lowest. He found the worst. He found the most out there. He found the most depraved. He found the most dead, uh, deadbeat. And he found us and he took us into his family. And tonight, I remind you, I am not saved because I'm a good man. I am not saved because I'm a great man. I'm saved tonight because he's a good man. I'm saved tonight because he's a great man. And when I was out there, and when nobody cared, and when nobody was around, and when nobody loved me, the good God of eternity, he came my way, picked me up out of the miry pit, set my feet on a solid rock, and made me a part of his family Now, why am I telling you that tonight? Because I'm looking at some people in here. Oh, you look just fine. You're salivating over a cheeseburger. You got your church clothes on tonight. And you're excited about the fact that somebody cares about you. But here's what I'm telling you. You have no idea how much somebody really cares about you. Yes, I'll give you a cheeseburger. Yes, we'll give you a hot dog. Yes, we'll scoop out a scoop of yum yum strawberry ice cream. But at the end of the day, the hamburgers will run out. At the end of the 
the day. The hot dogs will go away at the end of the day. The yum-yums will melt. There is a God, though, that will not go away. And there is a God that will not fade away. And there is a God that won't do away with you. And Daddy may have abandoned you. And Mama may have abandoned you. And family may have abandoned you. But there is a God right now that says, I found the outcast. And I found the dead and out there. And I claim them as my own. That's what kind of father he is. But he didn't just find abandoned people. Number two, he found powerless people. Man, they're in chains. They've got no hope of being delivered. And you know who God went after? Them. I'm going to be down right honest with you. That verse in, in, in the book of Jeremiah or Isaiah that says, My ways are not your ways. I don't think we understand that verse. I think we take that verse to mean like when things don't go the way I want it to, it's still on God's plan. I don't think that that's really probably what that verse means. I think that verse probably means a whole lot more. The things we're attracted to, God ain't attracted to them. We're attracted to power, strength. Brother Daniel Buchanan says, I'm attracted to horsepower. There's something inside of us. The bigger the better. The higher, the better. The richer, the better. But our Lord says, my ways are not. God looks, and this is what he says. He says, I look for the weakest. So that in their weakness, my strength is made perfect. Tonight there are people that are in this congregation watching on that live stream. We'll watch this later on down the road. And this is what they feel. They feel they don't have any power to get out of the addiction. They feel they don't have any power to get out of the bad relationship. They don't have any power to get out of that messed up thing. They don't have the power to leave that mindset. They don't have the power to get out of that depravity. They don't have that kind of power. May I remind you right now. There was a group of a million and a half slaves that were down in Egypt land. And they were bound in the chains of Pharaoh. And they were bound in the chains of the Egyptians and there were no keys there weren't anything but hopeless days and long nights looking forward to more hopeless days but in the midst of that hopelessness and in the midst of those chains and in the midst of that brokenness and in the midst of that sorrow the loving Lord Jesus Christ sent a man whose name was Brother Moses and he sent him down with the rod of God in his hand you know what that rod was it was a broken off tree it was a broken off limb off of a broken off tree and through that broken limb him through that broken tree he brought deliverance to a million and a half people you didn't hear what I just said through a broken limb off of a broken tree what was lifted up by a man ladies and gentlemen he brought deliverance you say why does that bless you I'll tell you why that blesses me I'm thinking about another broken down tree I'm thinking about another broken limb that was lifted up by a man and because of that lifted up broken tree on a hillside one day I'm free I'm delivered not because of my might not by my power, but because of my Father, which is in heaven. And listen to me. You can be abandoned and tossed to the side, but God, your Father, loves the powerless things. But then number three, He didn't just tell that to an abandoned people. He didn't just tell that to a powerless people. He told that to a chosen people. Where did I see that? Look back in verse number 22. Watch what he says. 
And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son. That's all wonderful. Watch this next phrase. Even my firstborn. Now who was Israel? Israel was the new name of Jacob. Jacob, if you remember, was the son of Isaac. What's the problem with calling Jacob the firstborn? He wasn't the firstborn. He had a brother whose name was Esau. Esau was the firstborn. Isaac loved Esau. Isaac loved Esau's meat. Isaac loved Esau's ways. You know what the problem with that was? Esau was too strong. Esau was too mighty. And God is, that's not who God had chosen. You know who God had chosen? He had chosen Jacob, Israel. Why? That's just what God decided to do. Now, what's the whole point of that? Here's the whole point of that. When it looked like the entire world had cast away Israel, God had selected them out. Israel, that group of deadbeat, good-for-nothing, powerless Jews that are down in the bondage of Pharaoh, you're telling me somebody wants them? I'm not telling you that somebody wants them. I'm telling you somebody chose them and wants them more than anybody else. Why does that bless me? Well, I'll tell you why that blesses me. I think sometimes we've got it in our head that the way God views you and me is that we were the scraps that were left over from the world and the Lord got us at a good deal. We were the ones that were turned aside on the roadside somewhere and the Father in heaven said, you know what? I guess they'll do in my family. But that is not what the Bible teaches. You see, Israel was not the only thing that was chosen. 1 Peter chapter number 2 and verse number 9. The apostle Peter that old cussing fisherman that got redeemed and born again by the power of God made this statement. He said but ye are a chosen generation a royal priesthood. Ladies and gentlemen at the end of the day God didn't just want you. God chose you out. God picked you out. God plucked you out of the line and he selected you. I don't understand how that works. I don't know how all that goes together. I just know when the devil did not want me and the world did not want me and your mama did not want you and your daddy did not want you and your family did not want you. There was a God that didn't view you as a leftover. There was a God in heaven that did not view you as an on sale item. There was a God that bankrupted heaven and bankrupted glory and paid the ultimate price just because he chose you. I love bothering my children. It is the joy of joys. I thought the baby stage was a blessing. You know what I have learned? about children that are getting older and become what we call tweens. 
They get bothered very easily. My little children love FaceTiming their friends. And they love conversing on that iPad with their friends. And I'll look at my kids and I'll walk by and I'll see them on that iPad. And I'll go get my wife. And I'll say, Erica, watch this. And I'll go by and I'll say something foolish. I'll say something crazy. Uh, poor Mason, he's probably, he's probably going to put a pillow over my face for saying this, but he, he, he'll get over it. It was so funny. I, I looked at him. I said, Mason, baby. And he's on the iPad with his friends. I say, buddy, did you, did you get your diapers from where you had them accidents the other night? <laughs> bless his heart. Oh, bless his heart. Yeah, he's going to put me in a nursing home. I'll be eating the cotton out of my diapers. Say amen right there. And he laughed about it. I heard one of his buddies go, your family is so weird. <laughs> and you know what he said? I know. <laughs> that night we were getting in the bed and he was acting like he was mad. And I was putting him in the bed and I was tucking him in. And he acted like he was mad at me and he, he wasn't. I said, now tell daddy you love him. I said, tell daddy you love him. And I said, well, whether you love me or not, I still love you. And I looked at him and I said, buddy, if I could have found a million children in the world and laid them on an assembly line and had my choice of any of them, I'd have still chose you. You know what blesses me about that? The good God of eternity looked down the assembly line of all time and he lined all the people up and if he could have chosen any of the other ones knowing everything you'd do, knowing everything you'd say, knowing everywhere you'd go, he'd have still chose you. He'd have still picked you. He'd have still plucked you out. He would have still chosen you. I can't explain that. I'm just telling you that's the way it is. Why? That's the kind of father that he is. Now, if he's a father, let me give you these four things right quickly. If he's a father, what does that mean? I'll give them to you right quick. Four things. Load them up, blow them out. You do with them what you want to do. Number one, if he's a father like he is to Israel, what does that mean for us? Number one, that means he birthed us. If you're going to say that somebody is a father, that means he gave life to them. You know where Israel came from? They came into being because of the hand of an almighty God. Do you know where Israel was birthed from? From the hand of an almighty God. It was not of their own power. It was not of their own will. It was not of their own way. It was not of their own making. It was the hand of an almighty God. You say why are you here tonight? Why are you in the family of God? It's not by works of 
of righteousness which I have done, but it's according to His mercy that He has saved me. For by grace have I been saved through faith in that not of myself. It is the gift of God. And tonight I'm telling you, I am in the family of God, not because of my first birth, but because of my second birth. It's not because of the birth of water. It's because of the birth of the Holy Spirit. It's because I've been born of power. It's because I've been born of grace. I've been born of mercy. I've been born of greatness. I've been born of the sovereignty of God Almighty. I've been born by the power of God. And tonight, if you're saved, you know how you got that way? God, your Father, birthed you. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But when we shall see Him, we shall be like Him. Now listen, let me tell a story about my son. And I know people say, oh, get tired of hearing kids' stories about your kids. Well, I can't talk about y'all. You get mad at me. And my kids and y'all are the only people I'm around. I tell stories about your crazy stuff, and you think I'm talking about you, so I'll just talk about my youngins. We'll walk through a store. Well, my wife did it this morning, this today at lunch. We were sitting there eating. And Mason said something. And she said, my soul, that's Tyler Curtis Jr., Right there. The other day somebody walked by him and said, that's got to be your son. I said, why you say that? She said, he looks just like you. You know how you can tell where somebody came from? Who they look like and who they act like. You say, what are you going to be? I'll tell you what I'm going to be. I've been birthed into the family of God. And if I'm being sanctified by the Holy Spirit, I'm being changed into the likeness of my Father. And the more I grow, the more I'm looking like Him. And the more I grow, the more I talk like Him. And the longer I live, the more I breathe like Him. And the longer I exist, the more I listen like Him. And the longer that I'm in this thing, the more I pray like Him. You know why? Because I've been birthed by... By the power of the Holy Spirit. Number two, if God's your father, he won't just birth you. But we notice from Israel that he'll deliver you. You see, God ain't going to leave his youngins down in oppression. God ain't going to leave his youngins down in sin. God ain't going to leave his children down in bondage. God ain't going to leave his people down in the hog pen. God is going to do whatever God has to do in order to deliver them from the chains of the enemy. To deliver them from the chains of oppression. From the chains of Pharaoh. From the chains of the king of this world. And I'm telling you right now, the God of eternity, he found his children down in the muck and mire of sin. Out in the dread sway of God's forgetfulness, he found found us out there and he didn't just leave us out there but we've been delivered by the power of God y'all acting like y'all are losing interest let me help you help you how many of you say when Jesus found me I was messed up alright and that's not always everybody but that's the majority of the bodies how many of you tonight would say, you know what? I ain't what I want to be. But since I met Jesus, I sure am a lot better than I used to be. 
You know what that is? That's the deliverance of the Holy Spirit. That's the chains breaking off your life. That's the oppression leaving your life. That's the chains coming off your life. That's the locks coming off your life. And don't worry about what you're not. Be thankful for what you are. Don't worry about where you are not. Be thankful that you are not back there. And just be thankful that you've been delivered by the power of the Spirit of God. Number three. He brought them out of the chains. But then the third thing he did that every father has to do after you birth them and after you keep them safe. But number three, you've got to provide for them. You know what the New Testament says? A man that won't provide for his family is worse than an infidel. You know what that means? If you can work and you won't work to provide for your family, you're sorry and you're worse than an unsaved person. The hardest working people in the world ought to be the people of God. The hardest working people ought to be the saints of God. I think we ought to take care of old people. I think we ought to take care of people that are disabled. I think we ought to take care of people that don't have the mental capacity to work. But if you have a healthy back and healthy legs and a healthy body and can go out and get a job, but because the government will pay you, you'll stay at home and collect that unemployment, you are sorry and you need to get your heart right before a holy God. Mm, Boy, that made you uncomfortable, didn't you? I'll tell you what the problem is. The people of God are supposed to be the example. The people of God are supposed to be the ones that are leading the charge. The people of God are supposed to be the ones telling what's right and what ain't right. And I'm telling you right now, when we join in and act as sorry and as lazy as the world, why would they want the gospel that we preach to them? It's a gospel of hope, a gospel of enabling, and a gospel of power. When God brought the children of Israel out into the wilderness... Where are they going to get bread? Where are they going to get meat? Where are they going to get water? You know what God does when there ain't a bread factory? He opens up the windows of heaven and opens up the bread factory of heaven. And every day, manna would come out of the sky. When there's no meat on the grill, you know what God will do? God will open up the bird cage of heaven and he'll send quail from the east. So much so that it fills up to their nostril. When there's no water in a pond somewhere, you know what God will do? God will open up the well of heaven and let a rock follow them around all the days of their... And man, I've heard Bible commentators, you read about this stuff, fellas, and they'll say what it was is they were wondering in a circle and they just kept going around that rock and that's how they always had water. That's not what 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 tells us that what that rock did when they woke up in the morning, that rock was where they were and when they went to bed that night while they were sleeping, that rock would move and it followed them through the wilderness and here's what I'm telling you child of God. God will provide for you when you stay in his will. God will provide for you when you walk in his way. You don't have to fear. You don't have to fret you don't have to go to the side God provides for his children man I'm telling you something I have learned people always say where is your best Bible lesson the best Bible lessons I have about how God operates is through my relationship with my wife and my relationship with my children those are the best examples of how God operates you realize I provide everything for my children's good If I think it can do my children good, you two are going to find this. You'll move heaven and earth to do it. But I don't give them everything they want. Too many of us are thinking that God don't provide because we ain't got that want category. You know why I don't give my kids everything they want? Because everything they want ain't good for them. Erica's mom and daddy... Her daddy bought him a little four-wheeler. 
And uh, this little thing, it's got a governor on it where you can control how fast it goes. Just he, Mason loves it. Man, the boy loves it. Right around the same time, my father-in-law went and bought the biggest Honda four-wheeler that they, I don't know what it is. I think it's the Honda Big Bubba. I don't know what it is. It's massive. Push-button four-wheel drive, automatic transmission. It sits up higher than a Toyota truck. It is massive. It's got chrome wheels. It's got speakers that would blow your toupee off. It is ma- it's the biggest thing I've ever seen in my life. And the moment that my Mason laid eyes on that thing, that little pedal pusher he had wouldn't fit no more. Daddy, you think I can get me one of those? Hey, Daddy, what do you think we got to do to get one of those? Hey, Daddy, I think I ought to get one of those. Daddy, you thinking about getting one of those? Daddy, how much money is it going to cost us to get one of those? Daddy, you want to go get one of those? And I just ignore him, and I just ignore him, and let it slide off to the side, and I don't give it heed. Why? Not because that's not wonderful, but I know that much power in the hands of that little boy would do him more damage than if I gave it to him. And some of us right now need to realize, if I don't have it, and I've been praying for it, it's because God loves me so much that He doesn't want to damage me. Just because God ain't give it to you right now doesn't mean God won't give it to you one day. What you need to start saying is, Lord, You are my heavenly Father, and I know You provide for what I need right now. But Lord, that is something that I desire. So Father, if now's not the time, give me patience to wait and make me mature enough to handle it when it comes. Let me give you number four. What's the fourth thing God does as a father? He did it to Israel. He led them. He led them. You know how Israel walked? Every day they woke up and where the cloud took them is where they went. Everywhere the fire stopped is where they went. You know what they did? It's an old-time word. Nobody talks about it anymore. They followed God. Can I say something that will probably hurt people's feelings out in the world? But can I say it to this assembly? You and I as the people of God are not to do what's best. We're to do what God tells us to do. We're not supposed to do what's the next step. You're to do what God tells you to do. Here's the problem with so many of us. So many preachers have lied to us and used the will of God to justify their own desire. I understand that. But at the end of the day, I don't let a bad apple ruin me from eating apple pie. I don't let a bad orange ruin me from drinking orange juice. I don't let a bad cup of coffee ruin me from going and getting me something. And I'm not letting somebody that abused the leadership of the Holy Spirit ruin me from following God. When was the last time that we as the children of God prayed? I'm going to finish embarrassing my son, Scott. I'm done. You, you, you can come. I'm going to finish embarrassing my poor boy. I'll hear about it when I get home, but I'll just buy him something tomorrow and he'll get over it. He won't, it ain't no big deal. Whatever. I may need $20, but I'm going to buy him something tomorrow. Listen, listen. How many of you got more than one children and those children are stark opposites? Oh, it's unbelievable. 
my little Mason, Austin, I'll give him a Lego. And he'll take that Lego in there and he'll undo those little instructions. And step by step by step by step, he'll follow that thing. And within just a few hours or however long it takes, he'll have that Lego together. That little wild thing, that little eight-year-old, that thinks she's on her next birthday skipping 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 and going straight to 16. She'll get a Lego of the same size. And she'll take it and you'll hear and they're just ripping packages. And you hear those pieces go a thousand directions. Ella, you need daddy to help? No, I'm good, daddy. Okay. Ella, you need daddy to, I'm good, daddy. 10, 15, 20 minutes. She comes out with a handful of pieces and tears streaming down her face. She'll say something to the effect of, Daddy, it's just ruined. It's all just ruined. And I'll say, what's wrong? She said, none of it is right. They sent me the wrong pieces. Anybody else got one like that? And I'll say, honey, did you read the instructions? Yes. And it didn't. I said, Ella, show me the instructions. She'll go, step one, step two. You say, it doesn't go any further. I said, baby, you got to turn the page. Too many of us treat God that way. Some people just, they know how to follow God's instruction. And then some of us are so hard-headed. God says, you want my help? I'm good, Lord. I got it. I'll take it from here. You want some help? Lord, I got it. I, I'm good. I, I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Then three, four, five weeks, months, we bring God a bunch of broken pieces and want to blame everybody else. Lord, they gave me the wrong pieces, and God says, why didn't you ask for help? You see, your heavenly Father is trying to lead you. When was the last time you just said, Lord, lead me? It is the obligation of a father to lead his children. And God desires to lead you because that is the fatherhood of God.